Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Please contact your account representative for more information on these risks. Past performance is not indicative of future results. If you like grain markets and other stuff, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Joe Baklovic. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. Thank you for joining me. It is Friday, May 8th, uh, kind of a rainy day here uh, in Tennessee. Um, we had a nice day yesterday. Going to cool off over the weekend like a lot of places. Uh, thank you for listening. If you have not subscribed to the podcast already, uh, whatever podcast app that you use, whether it's Apple, Google, uh, Spotify, any of them, the podcast, grain markets and other stuff. It is everywhere. So if you are not subscribed already, make sure that you do that so that you are made aware when new episodes are posted. Um, if you like what you hear, you like the content, leave me a review. Um, if you don't like the content, leave me a review. Tell me uh, what you don't like about the podcast and how I can improve it. I'd love to hear some constructive criticism or maybe some topics that you'd like to see covered uh, in future podcast episodes. Follow me on Twitter at Standard Grain if you're looking for some more real-time information. Um, this is a weekly wrap episode, and I'm going to kind of run through what were the big topics of uh, the week and uh, a little bit of commentary. I also want to touch a little bit on uh, next week's USDA report. Maybe the biggest piece of news here today on Friday was this jobs report. Uh, non-farm payrolls down 20 and a half million um, in April and unemployment up to 14.7%. So these are uh, fantastic surges that we've seen in people essentially filing for unemployment. Um, the non-farm payroll number is, has got to be the biggest on record. Um, the unemployment rate at 14.7 uh, was actually below the 16% uh, expectation. And, and we were, remember, we were 4.4% in March. So we've seen a big spike there. And that number by next month at 14.7, that's going to turn into 20 uh, or maybe 25% because I think that this is is kind of data that's not totally updated yet with, with the weekly numbers. So uh it's not good. Uh, nevertheless, you've seen really a phenomenal activity in the stock market. And I've talked about this before. The S&P has rallied 33% from the low posted in March. That's a phenomenal move. And we are now only, I think, 14% from the all-time high that was posted in February. So uh, this is one of those rallies that people don't, uh, they don't like it. Uh, some people would say this is a hated rally. Some people would say that the rally does not make sense given the data. And what you've got to remember about this situation is that um, the data is is backward looking essentially. This is this is data that that's already happened. It's things that hap have happened in the past. The market tends to be more forward looking, and the market is is historically very very quick to price in things like this. And then very, very quick to look forward and look past a situation that's occurring. So I would say that in this very instance, you know, the non-farms payroll number had been discounted in the market, obviously, with, with the higher trade um, this week. And uh, the unemployment number was priced into the market. We've seen the weekly jobless claims numbers. We just haven't seen the, this uh, non-farm payroll number and the unemployment number. But it, it was not a surprise. These numbers were not a surprise to anybody uh, when they were released this morning at 7.30 Central Time. And you, you may ask yourself the question, Joe, why are you talking about this stuff on a grain market show? 
And the reason being is that maybe this time around, maybe more so than any other time around, um, what's happening in the outside markets and with the economy and with economic activity is so strongly correlated to what's happening in the grain markets and the corn market in particular. And um, a lot of that, almost all of it has to do with the ethanol situation, I think. Um, ethanol is, is you know, in a not for the most part, but but it's a consumer product. I mean, uh, 10% of, of every gallon of gasoline in the United States is is mandated to be ethanol. If they don't blend that 10%, uh, the refiners have to buy RINs. So when gasoline usage really drops off and you see this big decline in economic activity, which we've, we've seen, uh, you see ethanol drop off. And that is, uh, in my opinion, the uh, single biggest factor behind the big sell-off in the corn market. When you lose 45% of your weekly ethanol output year over year, uh, and it happens for three, four, five consecutive weeks, that's a big problem. So yes, all of this stuff is is intertwined, and I don't know that there's a market on the planet that's been unaffected by the virus. So when I when I talk about the non-farm payrolls and the unemployment, which are usually things that are not necessarily a big deal to you as a farmer, uh, they are very, very relevant this time around, and, and again, perhaps more relevant than in any instance that I've seen. Now, to get into the nitty-gritty of what we've seen in ethanol, ethanol stocks, gasoline demand, um, ethanol production did rebound from a modern-era low uh, the prior week. We we uh, rebounded ethanol production by 11%. We were still grinding ethanol, uh, according to Wednesday's EIA report, at uh, a level below last year by 42%. So we've got a lot of work to do if we're going to play catch-up here. We've got a lot of work to do in ethanol. Uh, ethanol stocks were down another uh, two and three quarter percentage points on the week. They have now fallen about seven and a half percent from the all-time high posted two weeks ago. So you've got two things going on, maybe some better usage and uh, lower production. And those two things have contributed to lower ethanol stocks. And that's a positive as well. Maybe the biggest positive, and, and the ethanol situation will lag this number, is gasoline demand in the U.S. Um, gasoline uh, demand or usage was up about 14 percent. Um, on the week, uh, according to EIA, and it has now bounced 32% from the low that is seen four weeks ago. Now, we're still running uh, gasoline demand about 30, 35% below what was seen a year ago. So there we also have some work to do, but I believe it, it looks to me at least like all of this stuff has turned a corner. I think ethanol may have turned a corner in terms of both production and stocks. I think gasoline demand has bottomed. I think we very clearly rebounded. We're starting to see economic activity improve. Um, I noticed just in my neighborhood, and I've, I've said this, I think the last couple of weeks too, people are driving more, people are going to restaurants, people are going uh, out of the house, uh, things that just weren't happening uh, two or three weeks ago. And this is going to start to happen in more and more states across the country. I know there are exceptions. Um, I'm sorry to those of you in Illinois that uh, apparently will be on lockdown forever but uh, but um you know in a lot of in a lot of places things are, are beginning to uh to churn a little bit again and that's good so i would say that you know we got work to do in ethanol we got work to do in terms of gasoline usage but there i can point to some positives here definitely in terms of the statistics and that's what we need to see in the corn market seeing a nice little bounce here uh that july corn futures contract bottomed at 309 we bottomed there again so you've got a double bottom at 309 on these july corn futures we're up to 322 
as I speak here Friday at about midday. So you've seen a, a nice little bounce, not a sharp bounce, but a, a nice little bounce off of the low there. I want to talk about the China situation a little bit. And um, there's been a lot of back and forth, but here on Friday morning, it was reported that I I guess very early Friday morning is when the U.S. and the Chinese had these uh, telephone discussions. Top U.S. and and China, uh, Chinese trade negotiators, they did speak via telephone. China said that they agreed to improve the atmosphere for the implementation of the phase one trade deal. That's a lot of words without really saying anything. I'm not sure quite what they mean there other than we're optimistic, I guess. The U.S. Trade Rep's office uh, said, in quotes, both sides also agreed that in spite of current global health emerg- the current global health emergency, both countries fully expect to meet their obligations under the agreement in a timely manner. So that seemed to be a positive headline. Now, following that, uh, Trump was out on Twitter and kind of said some things to the contrary or some things that led you to be maybe a little bit more uncertain about the China situation. What I know for sure... <clears throat> is that China has a lot of work to do if they are to get anywhere near uh, this target uh, that was set forth in the trade deal, $36.5 billion in in ag purchases in the 2020 calendar year. They are not even close. And they've done some corn business with the U.S. They've done some soybean business with the U.S., uh, big-time pork business with the U.S. relative to the last several years. But they still have a lot of work to do. Remember, when, when those projections were first out, we were essentially told that China had to buy essentially record amounts of just about everything in order to hit that target. And as of right now, it does not look to me or to anybody else like they are on pace to hit this target. Now, could things start to accelerate? Could the situation change? That's very possible. That's uh, exactly what I hope happens. We we, uh, hope that all of this takes place, although you certainly have reasons to be pessimistic. Some of these uh, old crop purchases of soybeans in particular are not necessarily seasonal. Uh, I know that there was one week, I think in late April, where China did uh, record so, uh, soybean business with the U.S., for record a record week for any uh, month of April. And that's positive. And, and I had talked before about how uh, China, it was unlikely that China bought a, would buy a whole bunch of old crop beans from the U.S., yet they've been buying some old crop beans from the U.S., not in tremendous amounts, but they've been buying some old crop beans from the U.S., and that's better than what I thought. So I am uh, very happy uh, to be wrong in that situation. So I, I'd say that as far as China goes, uh, ending this week, we're probably going home on a slightly positive note. A lot of talk about weather, um, and and that's always the case this time of year when May rolls around. Uh, we start to get in into that you know mid spring into early summer time frame. The focus turns toward weather, crop production uh, potential, that sort of thing. You start off with dryness that's been building in uh, the southern plains and also in part of the northern plains. If you look at the drought monitor that was released on uh, Thursday morning this week. <clears throat> You have drought that started essentially in parts of Colorado and further west than there, and it's moved east. It's moved into um, at least the western half of Kansas, um, maybe the Oklahoma-Texas Panhandle neighborhood, and then you've got some lesser dryness that's developing in, say, the western half of North Dakota, maybe a little bit of South Dakota. So I'm not going to get overly excited about this. I'm not going to say that you need to be real bullish row crops, especially There could be some implications for the HRW wheat crop, I think. We've also got, in addition to the dryness, you've got this this freeze or frost event 
that's forecasted for this coming weekend. And there are a lot of areas of the Corn Belt that are going to see freezing temperatures. So there's talk about emergence issues. There's also talk about uh, the potential for switching away from corn and towards soybeans or maybe replants of acres that were corn and, and them being replanted in soybeans. I don't know exactly how this is going to work out. It seems like in most years you hear some sort of story like this, not exactly this, but like this, where there's some sort of weather event somewhere in the country that may push acreage one way or the other or hinder production. Um, They usually don't turn into much when it comes to the market. They usually don't. Remember 2019, what happened last year was an anomaly. That's not the, that's, that was not normal. That's something that you don't see very often. Typically these spring weather issues they don't turn into anything as far as the market's concerned. They really don't. So that's not to say that this year that it couldn't turn into something, but just keep in mind that 2019 was was an anomaly when it when it comes to to that sort of thing. It's 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 not every year that you're still planting corn at the end of June. It's it's just that's that's not the norm by any means. So some some potential weather issues here and certainly something to be aware of. We do have a USDA report next week. Now, in the podcast that I did earlier this week, uh, the one that's called Brace for Impact, I talked at length about the uh, corn numbers, how they're going to be bearish, and how you know a lot of it's probably priced in, but you've got to be ready for this big bearish number that they're going to print on, um, on Tuesday morning next week. Now, you can look back at what I told you about the stock market earlier as an example of a market that was well aware of a forthcoming number or news item and didn't react to it at all. You got one of the most bearish unemployment and uh, and uh, non-farm payroll numbers that anybody's ever seen today, yet the stock market trades higher because the the market was well aware of the situation before the numbers were printed. I would probably make the argument that the corn market is similar to that in some respect. And and keep in mind that with these new crop corn projections that I discussed earlier in the week, so much of this is just they're throwing darts here when it comes to demand projections and when it comes to supply projections. I mean, yeah, we know that the acres are are big and maybe they come down a little bit versus margin tensions, but trying to figure out what demand is going to be for the new crop uh, marketing year in corn demand from from the period uh, September 1st, 2020 through August 31st, 2021. Trying to figure out what the demand for corn is going to be during that time frame is incredibly difficult. Uh, nobody knows what the ethanol situation is going to do. Uh, I think feed demand is incredibly difficult to gauge. Uh, exports, difficult to gauge as well. So there's there's going to be a lot of assumptions made. The USDA knows that there are assumptions. Nobody can predict this stuff. They're just kind of giving us a place to start. So I, I think that this could be a situation kind of like we saw with these numbers in the stock market today where, yeah, we a bearish report's coming. We know it. And it doesn't have to push the market lower necessarily. It just doesn't have to do that. Um, so that report will be out Tuesday morning. It's at 11 o'clock Central Time. Uh, for those of you who subscribe to my newsletter, um, I'll have full analysis and some pre-report estimates and all that sort of stuff. And and maybe some, some short-term hedge ideas for those of you who are a little bit behind in terms of your marketing. We've seen a nice little turnaround in the livestock market. As I talk here today, uh, June live cattle futures are up about $3.50, um, back up to $97. We're hearing cash cattle trade, uh, $110, maybe even some $115 could happen next week. Uh, so you've seen a big bounce there. And remember, cash cattle traded 95 
uh, just earlier this week. So we've seen a, a big bounce there. Um, the thing that scares me a little bit is that the boxed beef market continues to surge, and we have made record highs in the boxed beef market for 12 consecutive days, which is just unbelievable. And it's not like it goes up a dollar a day. It goes up $10, $15, $20 a day. It's really unbelievable. And what that tells me is that the processing capacity just isn't back yet, and, and we know that. Now, Sonny Purdue said that you know this thing's going to be done in days and not weeks and that the plants are going to be back open, and uh, we've got Trump uh, asking the Justice Department to look into potential antitrust issues among the uh, big meat packers, but I don't know if either of the, I, I mean, they'll look into it, but it's going to take a long time. You know how the government works. It, it's not going to happen overnight. Um, in terms of the plants opening in days and not weeks. Um, there may be issues there too. I mean, it's going to be tough getting people back to work. There's health concerns. I think there's some unions that have concerns. So this is not, uh, this is easier said than done, I think, in my opinion. But nevertheless, maybe the livestock markets have turned a corner. We've, we've had some nice gains. Uh, we've certainly rallied quite a bit off of the lows. Um, and, and we hope that that continues. Um, want to talk a little bit about the fund positioning, and this may be my last point uh, for the weekly wrap-up here. Fund traders are long the soybean market, and as of Thursday, yesterday's close, private groups were estimating that funds were net long about 20,000 contracts of soybeans. So we're getting to a point here in this rally where I usually start looking at, at doing some marketing if they get 50, 60,000 contracts to the long side. That could happen pretty soon. It could happen real soon, as a matter of fact. So I don't like the prices yet. What I'd really like to see in soybeans is this July, this nearby July contract, get up to where it topped, say, in mid-March. There was a high about just below $9, $8.97, I think. And then there was a high from uh, early March at about $9.20. I'd like that July bean contract up in that $9 to $9.20 range. And uh, that would probably buy the rest of any remaining old crop beans that I have. Uh, I think the market could go higher than that, but I think that that would be a, a reasonable target, to be honest. We were not, it was not that long ago that we were at those kind of prices. Um, in the corn, the funds have shed a little bit of that big short position. Uh, I think at their peak recently, they were short about 160, 165,000 contracts. It was estimated yesterday that they were net short 143,000. It'll be less than that, assuming we close higher here today on Friday. Now, we'll have a CFTC report on uh, after the close today, and we'll get... <clears throat> kind of a full update of the situation and, a, and an actual update as of the positions uh, uh, dated last Tuesday. But um, in any case, you know, there's been a little bit of activity here, a little bit of buying interest. Funds long about 19 or 20,000 contracts of SRW wheat. There's not a ton that I can do uh, with that. So as we go into the weekend, as we go into next week, I think the report's going to be big. We're going to see what sort of uh, low temperatures we actually see. Over the weekend, uh, what sort of impact that has? Does it mean that there's going to be replants? Does it mean acreage switching? Does it mean reduced yield potential? <clears throat> Again, I'm not necessarily on, on that page in terms of this is going to hurt the crop or this has to be bullish. I, I don't know if I'm there yet. I think it's it's awfully early in the growing season to be, to be killing the crop, but uh, anything's possible. Uh, we saw that last year, but uh, I think what, what we've got to see is is this ethanol thing turn around. If I had to pick one thing that that could turn around that that we really need that could help the markets perhaps the fastest, 
it would be ethanol. I just, I, I don't know if it's going to happen fast. It may happen a lot slower than we'd like it to. And uh, we hope that the, we hope the recovery in terms of all of this happens much faster than what we'd like to see. Now, the stock market's forward looking, like I said, and, and it seems to be pretty positive. Now, of course, when I talk about the S&P, I'm talking about 500 of the biggest companies in the United States. I'm not talking about mom and pop. I'm not talking about uh, small businesses. <clears throat> And those may be the businesses that are impacted uh, more largely, and that might be part of the reason why an index like the S and P can rally like this. You know, because it's it's 500 of the biggest companies out there. It's 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 not the local companies. It's not um, you know your your small uh, hometown retailers. It's it's the big boys. So there, that's that's part of the reason for the discrepancy there. If you have any questions for the podcast, um, I would love to hear from you. If you shoot me an email to info at standardgrain.com. That goes straight to my desk, and I will uh, personally reply to you. I'd love to hear from you. Any questions you may have about the podcast, um, about just any topic in general, love to hear from you, and uh, I'd love to answer any of the questions on the show. Um, remember, if you need some help with your grain marketing, the service that I provide for my customers, well, I do two things. Most of the day, during the day, I do brokerage business, meaning I, I work with customers trading futures and options. But... You don't need to be a futures trader to work with me and to to get my recommendations. All you've got to do for that is go to standardgrain.com, click on grain marketing plans, sign up for that subscription service. It's 49 bucks a month, billed through PayPal. You just sign up once and then it bills your credit card automatically. And you will get uh, my morning email every day. It goes out at 6.30 central time. It uh, can easily be read on a, on a smartphone. So if you got an iPhone or Android, whatever, it's real easy to read it on the phone. It's not a PDF file. It's a nice... It's a nice just one column, uh, easy read on your phone. And uh, you'll get that and my text message service. And you'll know exactly what I'm doing, how I'm doing it. If you're a cash-only marketer, meaning that you don't trade a futures account, uh, this will work for you too because you'll just be able to follow along with the uh, cash sales and the recommendations there and uh, hopefully help to improve your grain marketing a little bit. I seek to improve every year. I know I'm not perfect at it, but um, I don't believe anybody is. I believe the best you can do is seek to improve every year, and uh, that's the goal here. Everyone have a wonderful weekend. Hope it doesn't get too cold in your neighborhood, although I fear that it may. Uh, We will talk to you Monday or Tuesday next week.